everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Now I know not everyone believes in all of the things shared here. You might even be someone who just enjoys something that sounds fantastical. Or someone on the fence, sitting right between skeptic and believer. But regardless of where you are, I think it's safe to say we all enjoy a good scary story. Terrifying and fascinating encounters with ghosts, cryptids, things we can't explain, but also the stories of surviving awful experiences with repellent human beings, close calls. Because while we may not want to experience the things we hear, we do want to hear the experience. So, let's get started, shall we? When this happened, I was 21 years old. I lived in a larger, small city in the Midwest. At the time, I had no car, just a bike, and hardly enough money for public transportation. I worked at a retail battery, lighting, and repair store. I worked full-time, and I only lived over a mile from my job. Since I was a female in a male-dominated field, I was used to targeted abuse, often from men that thought they knew better. Many times, I stood my ground and flaunted my knowledge in subjects that these men couldn't grasp. Because of my willingness to learn and my close proximity to work, I often worked all sorts of hours, mostly by myself. This time, I wasn't the person closing, and I had a co-worker, Joey, who came in for a part-time shift after we wrapped up classes at the local college. We had a close friendship, and we often stood up for each other, and stood in when we were flustered, or needed to go to the bathroom in the back. Joey received a phone call for a possible repair on a smartphone, possibly LG, low-tier phone though. He wasn't 100% sure if it was a phone that we could repair. He asked the young female caller to stop by for a consult. She had quickly agreed and said that she would stop by around 5.30 p.m. This was a night that I was supposed to get done at 6 p.m. and catch the bus at 6.12. It was a windy, drizzly, early fall night. I remember this because I had my bike with, and it became my anchor that night. A little before 6 p.m., this frantic, terrified, bawling, 19-20-something-year-old woman came into the tiny shop. I was at the counter, switching out aging price tags and general store maintenance. I looked up at her, confused and willing to help. She looked me deep in the eyes, asking if Joey was here. At the time, he was pooping in our tiny bathroom in the back, so I had to step in and help out any customers. I told her that he was currently busy and that I was willing to help her. She handed me her smashed, cheap phone, very timidly. My customer service skills couldn't prepare me for what she was going to say next. She quietly told me that her boyfriend, 
who was out in his red mini truck in the small front parking lot, had gotten angry and smashed her phone when she tried to call her sister that afternoon. I took the backing off of the phone, and I tried to research the model for any possible screen repairs. No results found. I tried to hand her back the destroyed phone, and she pushed it back into my hands with a pleading look. Then, the honking commenced. There was this light drizzle outside, so our front glass door was covered in beaded drops, and it was slightly fogged over. I couldn't see who was honking out there. I told her again that I couldn't help, and for her to try our cell phone repair competitor down the road. The tears really started to flow down her cheeks, and I was freaked out at this point. She kept throwing glances behind her, and the honking, it wouldn't stop. I shook with fear and rage at this point. I myself was in a domestic abuse situation at the time, and I knew what this girl was experiencing. I broke my locked stare at her, and I tried to look in our system for a second time for a replacement screen. Nothing again. I looked up from the computer, and I saw a shadowy figure of a young man pacing in front of the store. I was just happy that the honking had stopped, but I was increasingly shooken up. My whole body vibrated with fear, and I whispered across the counter, asking if she needed me to call 911. She slammed her hands down on the counter and said that I couldn't do that. She begged me not to. At this point, Joey came out from the back and asked what all the honking was from. We had a lot of elderly farmers, lazy and disabled customers that would honk their horns for us to pick up heavy battery cores from their car. He thought that it was one of those situations, but with the looks on our faces, he knew something horrifying was happening. The young guy stopped pacing outside, and he began banging on the front door. Joey took the girl's phone from my hands and said for me to go to the back and lock the back employee-only doors. I did what I was told, and I grabbed my bag, my bike, and my jacket. I looked at the clock in the back, and it read 6.14. I'd spent 15 minutes with this girl, both of us feeling like trapped animals. Joey did bodybuilding in his free time. He was a gentle, non-confrontational, short but stocky Asian guy. I was a short, obese, kind lady that would respond either one of two ways, like a doormat, or ready to stay on my ground. I knew that I couldn't fight a customer, and neither could Joey, not because of physical reasons, but we'd lose our jobs, and we had no idea what to do. This young guy threw the door open, and the wind kept the door open. He had this manic, hateful look about him. A total predator he was. He was slim, but muscular. Early to mid-twenties, and was soaked by the rain. He took the broken phone off the counter, and took the girl in tow. He hurled insults at us, and I gave the girl a pitied look. He slammed the door back shut and both Joey and I stood in absolute silence. He snapped out of it 
and ran to the front door and locked it. I told Joey to call our manager from the store line, and I stood around while he did. I noticed that the guy had moved his truck directly in front of our door. He was watching us from his truck, watching us behind the counter as we were on the phone with our manager. I had to leave to get home. The last possible bus came at 6.42, and I couldn't pedal my way home in this weather, and with all the circumstances that had just occurred. The time was around 6.18. I just needed to cross the busy highway and go down the sidewalk by an eighth of a mile to the nearest bus stop. Joey, the guy, and I played the waiting game. It was 6.23 when the dickhead finally left our parking lot. I told Joey that I would have to leave at 6.25 so I could arrive at my bus stop safely. Joey opened the door and I threw myself on top of my bike and pedaled harder than I could ever imagine. Now, mind you, our store was in an industrial shopping area at the very edge of our town. We worked next to a sub shop. Across from this was a strip mall with a bullseye store, a local chain grocery store, other retailer stores, and a bank, all in that large parking lot. It started to downpour, and as I tried to pull out of our parking lot, straddling my bike, I caught a glimpse of the red truck looping around the sub shop. The highway had dual lanes each way, and I had to play real-life Frogger if I wanted to make it to my destination in one piece. There were a few cars that slowed for me as I hauled ass to the other side of the road. I jumped off of the bike and I threw it on top of the curb. I promptly hopped back on and I tried to pedal off. My front wheel was stuck in the grassy strip and my right foot had slipped off the pedal. My shin struck the pedal. I had to act quickly. I grabbed the frame of my bike and jogged awkwardly to the bus stop. The red truck pulled into the bank parking lot, of which I had just passed. The truck pulled around and went out through the entrance across from the sub shop and took the closest lane to me. He went at a crawl and turned at the red light so that he could circle the main parking lot of the shopping center. There were three ways to get into that parking lot. One to the left, one in the center, slightly off to the right, across from the sub shop, and the other, far to the right, next to the grocery store. I stuck to the sidewalks, since it felt safer, and I was in front of people. The truck patrolled the parking lot, the hunter stalking its prey. I felt cold, sore, and cornered, just like an injured animal. There were a couple of cars that pulled into the left entrance of the parking lot, causing the truck to stop from re-entering the parking lot again. I almost collapsed in the shitty small bus stop. I felt my phone buzz. I saw that it read Joey, so I rested my bike on my person to answer the call. Joey told me that he was watching, and even though he had an elderly couple in the store that he was helping, that he wouldn't allow the guy to hurt me. I started to cry. All of this had just gotten to me. The red truck looped around once again and again. I saw the bus pull up at around 6.39, and I couldn't be happier. 
I knew the driver since I used the buses to get around town, errand shopping, to get to and from work. I had my stupid fucking bike to worry about. I hung up the phone with Joey, putting my phone in my jacket pocket and strapping down the bike on the rack that was in front of the bus. I struggled since I shook. My bike was slick from the rain. I got on the bus and turned to open the bus doors, and I saw that the truck had taken a left at the center entrance of the lot. I could finally let my guard down. I sat at the front of the bus, and my hands shook trying to get the 125 out for the fare. The driver said that it was okay, that I could take my time with the change. I kept my backpack on and pulled my damp phone from my pocket. I dialed Joey's number letting him know that I was fine. In under 15 minutes, I made it to my apartment, safe, but deeply disturbed. I took my bike in so it wouldn't draw any attention to where I lived. All of this gave me an idea to leave my own domestic abuse situation a few months later when COVID took the world by storm. To this day, I wonder about that girl I hope that somebody more daring and stronger than me called the cops on her abuser. That she had the strength to leave that violent man for her to write her own story and to recover from all of it. I'm currently doing significantly better in life and finally have my own car and I live a couple of states away safely from my past life. Even though I'm states away and it's been three years now, Guy in the red truck, let's not meet. This happened well over 20 years ago, but I remember most of the details as the imagery was seared into my brain. Call it a core memory, if you will. I was around six or seven years old, and living in a very quiet suburban area. My parents often entertained guests and drank beers in the kitchen all night with their friends, and they'd often be parents of two or three of my best friends growing up. We were allowed way too much freedom as kids and were often left alone for hours. Normally, we'd be in the backyard playing since it was lit at night and enclosed with a tall fence, but it had rained hard that day, possibly still raining at the time and we weren't allowed out. So, we tried to play hide-and-seek in my bedroom. We weren't very inventive. To make the game harder, the seeker couldn't turn on the bedroom light and had to rely on the hall light and the very dim street light that comes through one of the windows. As a hider, I immediately threw myself into half a dozen pillows on my bed and hoped they would conceal me better than my other hiding friend, no idea where he ended up. Soon enough, I heard the door open and could just barely see the hallway light coming in from between the pillows. Way too many seconds pass without a sound, no rustling or signs of seeking, and I peek out from my hiding spot to find myself completely alone in the room. Strange. I didn't have long to rack my tiny child mind because almost immediately my window caught my attention. There was a shadow slowly crossing in between the streetlight and my blinds in the shape of a head 
in a very distinctive, long, triangular shape, being held up, as if to strike. I get absolutely freaked out, scramble out of my bed, and run into the kitchen, where I see my two friends looking equally scared and confused. But I noticed that the adults were laughing their heads off, so I began to relax. It was clearly just a prank. Got me good. Wait, who had the knife? I asked as I realized that someone could have gotten hurt since they were pretty darn buzzed at that point. The laughing stopped immediately. Every single person stared in my direction. I don't remember the conversation particularly well because my panic came back tenfold at this point. But apparently, my other hiding friend saw a shadow in the window before he was able to hide, and he sprinted out of the room, leaving me. Thanks, bud. He told the adults that he saw something in the window, but they didn't take him seriously. Just a kid's imagination. But as soon as I seemed to have corroborated the story, adding a knife into the mix, I was asked more questions, while the husbands ran outside to see if anyone was in the yard. Nothing was found outside. The area in front of my window was mostly asphalt driveway, so there was no evidence of someone recently standing there. The small garden directly under my window did have footprints in it, but the tipsy adults couldn't definitively say that they weren't my parents' footprints, and there were no muddy steps outside of the garden. The incident was, again, chalked up to a couple of silly kids hyped on sugar or something, but my best friend and I both remember what we saw this day. A couple of years ago, my cousin and I enjoyed late-night walks in our neighborhood, mainly just up the street and back, not far. We would talk and discuss our difficult family. One evening, it was close to 1 a.m., a later time than our usual walks. At the end of the street is a tunnel under a railroad track. We heard what sounded like an argument. The only people who live on the other side were an old lady in an abandoned house. We went there. I went a little further than my cousin. I could hear little girl voices, two of them at least. They sounded to be preteen age. They also sounded as if they could be directly in front of me. They were whispering, but nothing that I could hear well enough to understand. As I started walking in the tunnel a little, I still couldn't see anyone, but I felt uneasy and backed away and I left it at that. Maybe 20 minutes later, we're walking up our street, which is a small incline that leans to a flat strip of road. Near the top of the hill is a church that has a rooftop area with a picnic table. No one was there on our way up the street, which doesn't take too long to walk to the end of our road and back down a small hill towards our houses. As we were walking down the hill, and the picnic tables come into view right off the side of the road. I see a girl with long blonde hair down to her back. She's dressed up in a nice shirt and shorts, as if she'd been going somewhere. But it's 1 a.m., and she looks 16. The most noticeable thing is her eyes. They're pitch black, 
And by pitch black, I mean both eyes are completely black, with no white in her eyes. At the church, there's a street lamp right where we were, so I could see her well lit. She's just sitting there on the picnic bench, motionless. Instead of sitting facing the picnic table in front of her, she's sitting on the edge of the bench, facing the road we would walk down. Her gaze doesn't move. Her neck doesn't move. Her posture is straight. She isn't doing anything at all, except sitting absolutely still. She's facing the road, but her gaze doesn't move as we walk by and we're in her line of sight. She makes no acknowledgement of our presence whatsoever, or any facial expression. I'm immediately alarmed by seeing her, but I decide on the spot to make no indication. I even saw her and kept walking past at the same pace. My younger cousin next to me clearly saw her, and I can't quite remember what I said to her, or if I communicated through body language, but I got her to follow along with me. We made it to my porch, and we didn't go in, but just waited. I can't recall how long it was, but I'll say a couple of minutes. She walked down the gravel parking lot at the church, and walked at a normal pace, onto the road where me and my cousin just watched her. Her movements were robotic. Her head never turned an inch. She never stopped looking forward and remained at perfect posture. She walked down the road right past us and didn't even turn her head an inch. She didn't even look at us and just went through the tunnel. We never saw her again, and our town is kind of small, so... We know a lot of people in the area, and we never saw anyone like her before. Her behavior seemed too odd for me to believe that she was an actual person. My cousin later told me that she had a strange feeling we were being watched before seeing her. Also, while we were watching her from my porch, my cousin recorded her on her phone. It was dark, but there was a street lamp illuminating the road. She said she looked through it and didn't even see her, so she got scared and deleted it. I was right with her. I didn't get a chance to see it. She had already deleted it. We never saw her again, though, and later resumed our nighttime walks. What are your thoughts? Like most people in Latin America, a fear of being robbed in an ATM was drilled into me at a young age. As a result, we always go to public places during busy times. We also eat dinner quite late, usually 8.30 or 9. Anyway, last night I was short on cash, so I headed to the mall. It was around 7 p.m., so just after people got off work, but still well before dinner. It was already pitch black outside. There were quite a lot of people around, and the line for the ATM was too long, so I decided to walk around the mall and maybe get a snack. I got to the end of the mall corridor, and I saw an escalator, so I assumed there were more stores. But as I began to descend, I realized my mistake. I had entered a basement area full of random junk like food containers, blank price tags, water bottles, and face masks. 
It was just a big room with the other side of it being empty. I looked around trying to find the way back up, but there didn't seem to be another escalator. So I walked through the room to an open door, which revealed a hallway with offices. The lights were dim and the place seemed deserted except for one open door near the end of the hallway. Curious, I peeked into the room to see an office with the floor pulled out and piles of sawdust and a man painting the wall. It was too late and he saw me. What are you doing here? He asked. How'd you get here? I'm, I'm sorry, I was trying to find my way back up. No, you weren't, he said. Do I look dumb to you? No matter, though. Come here and tell me. What's your name? I have to go, I said. What's a sexy thing like you in a rush for, he said. I bet I can make you feel good. Come on. There's nobody around. Give me a kiss, babe. I started running down the hallway at full speed until I reached the escalator again. The man didn't seem to be following me. I never heard any footsteps, so I assumed he stayed and kept painting. A few very long minutes later, I found the escalator for up, behind a bunch of cardboard boxes. Soon, all the colors and sounds returned, and I was thrust back into the boisterous corridor. I don't understand why the mall made it so easy to stumble into the basement, or how people would get out normally. The whole thing was just creepy. It feels like I stepped into a different dimension or something. Like I was in a place that shouldn't be there. Okay, so I just want to start this by saying that I'm no stranger to the paranormal. I've had tons of encounters throughout my life, two of them objectively being much scarier than this one, and yet... This one won't leave my mind. This just happened in December, while I was staying at my dad's house. It was about four in the morning, and I was just about to go to sleep. I was in my bed, laying down, facing towards my TV. I had my eyes closed, when out of nowhere, I heard my door creak open. I immediately opened my eyes and was looking at my TV, but was too scared to actually look at my door. But then, as I was staring at the TV, I saw a shadow figure standing beside me as if it were watching me sleep. I grabbed my phone and turned on my flashlight to see nothing there, but my door was in fact slightly open. I've seen shadow figures before, and even full-body apparitions, but something about this one doesn't feel right to me. Every time I stay at my dad's now, I'm terrified to be in a room alone, and I can't sleep without some sort of light. The energy of this spirit was so incredibly different compared to others. I can't even do anything about it because I don't live there, and my stepmom refuses to believe evil spirits could be in their house. Does anyone know what this spirit could have been, or how to get over it, so... I can stop being so scared when I'm there. And I do strongly believe that I have some sort of spirit attached to me. 
but I've never been afraid of it, so what I saw definitely wasn't that. I went out with my friends one day to see a movie. We were on the bus home, and it was pretty packed, so we were scattered across the floor of the bus. One of my friends eventually got somewhere to sit, and it was because this man gestured for her to sit at this empty seat, so she did. He was really chatty and loud, and was having a conversation with the woman sitting next to my friend, so he was leaning over her a lot. There ended up being another empty seat, and he gestured for me to come sit. I thought he was just being polite, so I did. Then he stopped his conversation with the woman and turned over to me and was just getting way too close to me, to the point where I was moving into the woman sitting next to me. He asked my name and complimented it after I told him my fake backup name, and he kept asking me personal information, excessively complimenting me. I dodged them, but he was making me uncomfortable with how many questions he was asking. I usually don't take this bus home, so I didn't know the names of the stops, and he ended up asking me which stop I was getting off at. I panicked, and I couldn't think of a fake stop, and I told him the one I was really getting off at. I know it was stupid. I just didn't think in the moment. He ends up leaving me alone and continuing the conversation with the woman from before. My stop ends up coming up, and I get off. As I get to the intersection to go across the street, the flashing hand signal was just counting down, so I rushed to make it to my second bus. About a second after I get off the bus, my friend called me and immediately asked if I was okay. I was confused and said, yeah, I'm fine. What's up? She says as soon as I got off, the man ended up getting off as well. I was in pure shock and started looking on the bus to see if he was on it. Thankfully, he wasn't, but it was just insane to think that he really followed me. Okay, so this morning I woke up to something that scared the living shit out of me. It was around 3 a.m., maybe 3.47 a.m., and I'd woken up strangely. Now I say strangely because after a big night of staying up at 11, usually I'd sleep all night. But for some reason, I woke up to a feeling as if someone was near me or someone was in my presence. And as soon as I woke up, I was staring directly at an old lady who was sitting on my desk. I could see her pretty clear, and she was easy to see with the dim hallway light shining on her. At first, I thought it could have been my chair, because my chair had clothes on it and could look like somebody. But as adrenaline kicked in, I realized she was far from just my chair. She was sitting on my desk. She had gray hair, and it looked as though the hallway light was blue. She had a smile on and it was quite creepy. It looked as though she had some teeth missing. At first, I thought it could be my mom. She had the exact same nightgown. So I was about to say mom, 
but I quickly realized that it couldn't have been, as the lady on my desk had darker skin. Usually I have a knife or a gel blaster beside my bed. I was planning on using one, but I realized they weren't there, and I'd left them outside. I thought of everything I could do. I locked eyes with her for at least one minute, still smiling. I thought I'd get up and approach her. I did so, and within seconds, she disappeared. It was like as soon as I changed angles, she left. But it couldn't have been that, as I saw her when I was laying down, and then I saw her as I perched up. I don't get scared often, so this was weird for me, but also gave me the creeps. Everything was so perfectly timed, waking up at 3 a.m., staring into her, the light showing what she looked like, and as I approach her, she disappears. It felt really strange. I live in Australia, and I told my mom about the story. She said it might have been aboriginal. My mom and dad have had similar experiences in the past, and this is the second time this year that this has happened to me. Last time, I noticed someone on the edge of my bed. I might post that story. If you live in Australia, or you've had similar experiences, it would be good to hear it. Thanks. This past summer, I started hearing a voice whenever I went into the bathroom. It seemed to be coming from the flat upstairs. At first, I thought it was just one of the owners of the place talking from his room since the layout has the main bedroom next to the bathroom, and the walls are thin, so sound easily goes through. I thought nothing of it. Plus, the voice was accompanied by a new creaking sound, as if they were lying on an old bed, so perhaps he was bedridden, and that's why I heard him all the time. But one day, I started to worry. Getting out from the shower, I could swear a few of the words I managed to understand seemed directed to my body. But they were so few that I thought I was just being paranoid. See, I wasn't comfortable when I first moved into the house. The second I set foot in it, I worried about being spied on. No clue why. There was no reason to think so. But I remembered a movie about somebody moving into a house with cameras, and I started to worry. I even jumped right out of bed one night, a few years ago, because I'd seen a camera at the end of a cable, hanging a few centimeters from my face. It took a while to realize that it had been a dream, so I just thought it was my mind being a shithead. The voice kept coming through the bathroom's roof all summer, and looking up, all I could see was the hole that had been created above the toilet to get to a leaky pipe. It had been there for a while, not wanting to waste money on closing it down until I knew for sure the leakage had been patched properly, since it wasn't the first time I'd had issues with that. All you could see in that hole was brick and cement, a beam and the big pipe taking waste out of the building, and darkness up above, where the light can't reach. Until about a month or so ago, when, TMI, I was taking a shit, 
under the familiar sound of that voice in Creek. I'm fairly constipated, and it got worse during the summer. So I was having some trouble, and I whispered to myself, fucking damn it, or some close translation, because my native language isn't English. To which I immediately heard what felt like a reply, a single word from that all-familiar voice. Push. I look up in a panic at the hole above me with the exposed pipe, wondering if someone had been looking at me this whole time. I didn't see anything, but the voice stopped. The creaking stopped. Everything was quiet. I went to investigate later, phone in hand, but there was nothing there. I used my phone camera to try to see if a lens gleamed back, but it was all the same as it had always been any time I investigated to look for water. I started wondering if the hole was just big enough that someone could fit an endoscopic camera through it without arising suspicion, something that could be slipped in and out. There hasn't been a voice or creaking noise since. It stopped in that instance, and I haven't heard it since, a month later. Sometimes, I wonder if I didn't hallucinate the whole thing. I never had any in my life, but it was all so strange. My upstairs neighbors are a bunch of parasitic pieces of shit that have tortured me with constant water leaks. So, it wouldn't surprise me if they were also a bunch of creepy fucks. So this morning around 5 a.m., I woke up to my boyfriend nudging me in the back, trying to wake me up. I remembered him seeming panicked, but don't remember what he was saying. We ended up just going back to sleep. We hadn't really talked about what happened because we were at work in uni, but he just told me about it. He told me that this morning, he was woken up by me, having a full-on conversation with something whilst leaning on my elbow. I was facing the corner of the room where the closed door was. The door was completely black, and the center was the darkest place in the room. He couldn't make out what I was saying, but he said it was like I was speaking to something. He said he turned around and looked at me. I then turned over and went back to sleep. That's when he started nudging me. He said it really scared him and was the most paranormal thing that's ever happened to him. I've never talked in my sleep before or anything like that. We've slept in the same bed for two years and I've never done anything like this. He said a few things in his sleep before, but he's never sat up and acted like he was having a conversation. But he said I was full on looking at something and talking to it. I have no memory of this at all. In the past year, I've experienced some sleep paralysis. I've seen figures standing in the doorway. So this kind of scares me.
Well, friends, it appears we've reached the end of tonight's episode. But don't miss a brand new one every Friday night. And don't miss my other weekly uploads every Sunday and Wednesday. But wait, there's more. It's Halloween time, and I've been waiting for this moment since the last Halloween time. So, keep your big scaredy-cat eyes peeled for more uploads, not just on my channel, but channels I'll be featured on. So much amazing spooky content is coming. I recommend just staying on YouTube all season. Okay, with that, I want to thank those who shared their stories, and a big thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to The Darkest Hour, and tap the bell so you never miss a thing. I sure do appreciate all of it, and I can't thank you enough. A huge shout out to all of my patrons whom I appreciate so very much. Monica L., Zoe Watt, Shelly B., Donald C., Rat Girl, Alicia S., Aaron G., Nikki H., Mr. Revenant, and a warm welcome to The Darkest Hour's newest patron, Naz K. If you want to support The Darkest Hour in other ways, consider joining my Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash thedarkesthour, or click the link in the description. You can keep up with me and all things Darkest Hour over on my Instagram, thedarkesthourYT. Follow me on Twitter, at AmandaJaneTDH. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, Amanda, Darkest Hour, at gmail.com, or on the Darkest Hour subreddit, The Darkest Hour, YT. Stay spooky.